0: So we are on the third part of our series. Uh, We have had, Dave did uh, talk a couple of weeks ago, so if you can't see me very well, I'll probably stand up at some point as I um, feel the need. Um, We are, so Dave kicked us off with the gospel for you, Uh, then say uh, that was all about how does it apply to us individually, right? That was about uh, the gospel is for each of us individually. And then Chris preached last week on the gospel for us, about us being part of a family. We we're on a mission together. Right? This, is, this, is, uh, this is more than just being called into something on your own. It's being called into something with uh, everybody else. We're a body of believers. Um, and that is all for the glory of God. All of that. Uh, and then today, I'm going to finish off the series before we head into... Doing our course of uh, gospel fluency i 'm going to finish off the series on the Gospel for them now, if you 've been a Christian for any length of time, you will have an instant reaction to a title like the Gospel for them and it might be a positive reaction or it might be a negative reaction you might be somebody that goes i I'm, I'm not i 'm not interest in sharing with anybody i'm not that's not that's not what i'm about uh, people can can watch me from afar and and they might catch something what what this is really about is saying today yes the gospel is for you individually and yes the gospel is to call you into the, the body of christ the gospel is to call you into the church that's that's a key part of it but it's not just for that. We are not called just to be this group of believing people that don't tell anybody else about it, right? And so what I want to do today is work through uh, kind of just three main points, really. Why is that? I'm going to do some some fairly basic teaching, okay? So if you've been around church for a while, you will have heard most of this, if not all of it, okay? you, This is... The reason I'm doing that is because I want everything else that I share to be based on a solid foundation, okay? I want us to understand this isn't just nice things to do. This is actually what we are called to do, every person, okay? I'm not going to be stuck in one passage of scripture, just to warn you. So if you've got your Bibles, you're going to have to move quick to keep up, okay? So uh, this is a test for some. We'll see how they do. It will all come up on the screen behind me as well, okay, so don't. Don't feel the pressure. Um, so we're going to cover the why, some teaching, and then there's one point in particular that I really want to spend some time on, which is the who. Who are we called to share? Who is the who is the them of the gospel for them? And uh, I, I feel God's laid something quite clear on my heart with that. So I want us to really be open to that. It's normally something that I would do with. Uh, in a, in sharing the gospel with people rather than talking to a, a group of believers and so uh ironically it involves getting up on my feet a bit so we'll we'll see how it goes in a moment but uh that will be fun and then we'll go into a bit of practical stuff okay so that's your 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 kind of walk through i've already lost one person he's fast asleep at the front uh, so i mean he is five so probably fair hopefully I can keep the rest of you engaged for the, for the rest of this time. So, uh, the why. Why do people need the gospel, and why do we need to share it with them? That's, that's the big questions we've got to answer here. Uh, and I want to kick off with, it has always, always, always been God's heart to bless people uh, bless the whole world and bless the nations. So even when he called Abraham, right back at the beginning, it, even when he called uh, th- for the first time a people out of the peoples of the earth, he called them with a purpose and that was to bless the nations. And so he, he, twice actually to, to Abraham he makes a promise. He says uh, in Genesis 18, verse 18, see that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And then later he promises it directly to Abraham. He says, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so there's this sense of he's called one man at this point, one man. And yet, even at that point, he's talking about through this one man, will many be blessed. Okay, so so before we start anything else, this is God's heart. His heart is for people. If you want more, he then says to Abraham's son Isaac, he says, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He is out to bless all of the nations. And actually, the offspring that he's talking about, or the seed of Abraham that that he's referred to elsewhere, says himself, Jesus says, for God so loved the world, the world, (laughs) that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is is God's heart. It was his heart right at the beginning when he called people, and it is his heart at the point that Jesus came to earth. It was for the world, right? Not for our little holy huddle. And actually, if you are listening to this as a believer, the reality is, you weren't part of the family that he called in the first place. You're part of these promises. His, the fact that his heart was for more than just his chosen people initially means that we are all now considered his chosen people. And so that, that's the key first thing. It is God's heart. Not we should somehow stir ourselves up because it's, it's like the duty that he's called us to, but his love is for the world. And his love was so for the world that he saved you. <laughs> but he does give some quite clear calling as well. <laughs> he does tell us that he wants us to be engaged in it. And so you'll all know the Great Commission. You, you, you'll have heard Jesus describing to his disciples. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I want us to get something here. We have been told <laughs> that we should go. We have been told that we should share and, and, and share something of ourselves and something of him to make disciples of all nations. There is a call there. There is a call to you individually there as well as to us corporately there I wonder uh, when, you, when you hear those calls going to the ends of, a- of the earth what, what does that bring to mind for you individually, where do you feel called to go to um <laughs> my wife's whispering, (laughs) Wales. Where where is it? Where's your, where where has he called you to be? Clearly it's here, right now. (laughs) But for how long? It's dangerous, isn't it, to preach stuff like that and to ask those questions because you think, If you'll go off elsewhere, there's not going to be much of a church here, but but this is God's call on us. To go and make disciples of all nations. Next reason why, why do we do this, why do we need to do this, is eternity. The reality is everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is where? Heaven or hell? And I I appreciate that we often, particularly when talking about the gospel, kind of shy away a bit from the concept of hell. But this is crucial. There is a moment, it says when the Son of Man, I'm going to, sorry just to be clear this is matthew 25 but i'm going to skip a few verses in this section just if you are trying to keep up when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Skipping on, he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And those, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The, the reality is everybody is going to be either on Jesus' left or on his right. I should... I, I, I don't like reading a passage like that without pointing out a little bit of truth because it can be quite confusing. Um, so most commentators here would, uh, would point to the difference that is in verse 34 and 41 when he's saying to the people, you go on my right or you go on my left. To those on his right, those that are saved, it's worth noting that he says, you who are blessed by my Father. There's this sense of God has, has placed them there. But that's missing from the statement about those on his left. Okay? That there's this sense that actually, when, when the Bible talks about heaven and hell, when it talks about people getting into heaven, it always says that's through God's glory. That's, that's through God's acting. That's through what God has done. And yet, when it talks about people going to hell, it is always them. That, that there's nothing of God has. has told them that they are going to go to hell, there is a sense that they have rejected his calling. Okay? Wayne Grudem uh, put this so clearly for me. It I helped underst- like, help me to understand that. Uh, he, he says, when people rejected Jesus, he always puts the blame on their willful choice to reject him, not on anything decreed by God the Father. And in fact, he talks of, uh, in Matthew 23, he says, he says to Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together? And you would not. They they wouldn't come, they wouldn't be gathered to him. I, I, I think it's just crucial that we stop at a point where we read a verse like that and we say, God's will, his heart, is that everybody would be on his right. Everybody would come into his presence. Everybody would willfully accept His calling to eternity with Him, but the reality is not everybody will, and we have no way of knowing who will and who won't. These are uh, every one of these points deserves a whole sermon. (laughs) Like like these these are these are big truths, and I'm I'm brushing past them quickly. These will have. Uh, an effect on people, some of these things, particularly thinking about heaven and hell. It should have an effect on us. But actually, there's more reasons than just heaven and hell to call people into God's kingdom. It brings God Himself glory. And that's actually what we're made for, right? (laughs) We're made to bring God glory. Jesus, again, he says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory your Father, who is in heaven, when we show people something of Jesus, when we show people something of what He has done in us, it glorifies Him. It glorifies God. I mean, that I could probably have just kicked off with that. That's that should be good enough reason <laughs> to share with people. It brings God glory. It's what we are made to do. And the last one on this, uh, this section, Madeline, can you just move that sign because I've realised I can't see a clock and that's dangerous for everybody, <laughs> um, so um, thank you, perfect, thanks. Um, the last thing I want to say in this section, the last little why do we do this? is because there is a plan. It is God's end plan. And there are moments, Chris shared as he kicked off the meeting, the, the, the moments where humans see a glimpse of what it's going to be like when we worship Jesus in his full glory. Uh, I just picked out in Revelation 7, uh, verse 9, this this to me is a, a, like a, a sense of, actually, I, I, I look forward to a reward for doing this. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. This, is, this great multitude has come before the Lamb of God and, and actually goes on to talk about them worshipping. And I just, I don't know, for me, there's something exciting in there about the prospect of looking out at a multitude when I'm part of it and going, oh, you, you're there. I shared the gospel with you. Like, this sense of, this is going to be some great reward, like, uh, uh, I know there's going to be people there that I'm surprised to see that I've played a part in seeing them uh, become Christians. Uh, I I, know, I mean, just practically, I remember mum and dad. I, I mean, I was, I was married, I think, at this point. Mum and dad came and said, we just heard about you? And I was like, what? And they said they'd been at a baptism of someone that I'd gone to college with who I wasn't even that close friends with, who I just, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I don't I don't think I even shared the gospel with him, but I did go to a lot of parties where he would have been there. And I, and there was a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol at those parties, and I didn't, well, I probably had a beer. That was the extent of what I would have done. Uh, I, and I, I would have turned down the drugs quite happily. It wouldn't, you know, Thankfully, I've never been that bothered by it. So you know, it's not like it's a difficult thing, but for him, it was a hard thing. And in his testimony, just looking across at me at a party, he knew I was a Christian, spoke volumes to him, that I could be somewhere shining God's light, actually. And, he, and, and that was enough to play a part in him coming back to faith. And you think this multitude... All of us can do things like that. All of us can just let people know we're Christians. All of us are gonna see people who we're part of their testimony. That is that to me, that is a reward. (laughs) Like to to look out on that end day and see that I've played a part in God's amazing end plan. And so let's let's move on. Let's I, I want to talk a bit about who. Who, who is the them? the gospel for them? Who, who actually do we want to see saved? Who is it that we actually feel could respond to this gospel? I mean, the short answer is everybody, right? But, but I want to labour this point a little bit. Because I think in reality, when you know Tom Kluwer came a few weeks ago, a guest speaker, and he shared from Luke fourteen. Actually, let's stick up. He said, "This is Jesus talking. This is a parable. Okay, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled." the lame, the blind and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The who here. I want us to think clearly about this. I want us to to just question who God, who would I be quick to invite to a banquet but more importantly who would I be slow to invite? to my banquet. And actually, I think, um, I, I was doing a tent missions week. Uh, I don't know how long ago. Well, a long time ago. Nearly 20 years ago, probably. And, and I was thrilled that people were coming through the, the door of the tent. And were hearing the gospel and were responding, but I was grieved because there was it it was the lowest of society only, and I'm so thrilled they were there. And so I I, I don't want you to hear the words I just read and think, oh that therefore it means we only want to save them. My heart broke for the people of society who have everything this world seems to offer. I mean, part of that, that heart call is why we're here in Wokingham, right? Like, like for us to have come to a, to a town that is pretty affluent, I, I feel we're called here. That's part of God. I feel we were called here nearly 20 years ago, right? Like, like the, the people who you are called to, the people that God is telling you to come, it might be that you are put off by the lowest of society in society's view. Or it might be that you immediately think the highest of society are so far from his grace, so far from being able to to come under this teaching. They've got everything they need that you miss. (laughs) You miss that you need to be reaching all of them. Now, you'll have your group. Like I, I don't mean you need to feel like you need to be preaching to every single person in the world. You would burn yourself out. But you are called to some people. Um. Let's do. Let's. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the illustration now. I said I'd do. But. Um, I am, unapologetic about the fact I need some volunteers. Um. <laughs> look at that. Look at that, three youth put their hands straight up, putting the rest of you to shame, I should say, with the speed with which they're happy to, uh, to do something. Um, uh, here we go, this is like the uh, key change in a rest life song. This. I'm going to stand up. You raise me up. Um, so, yeah, let's have, uh, we'll have one of you. You're on, you've you got a job to do, Ruben, so you can't come, I'm sorry. Um, but, Jed, come on up. Let's have you. Go on, Jed. You are now, so we're not going to call you Jed any longer, okay? We're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at how people compare to one another, which is slightly dangerous, I know. But, Jed, I am sorry, Okay? But for now, I'm going to start calling you Hitler. Okay. So, Jed, you are now the worst of society. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Your mum is. So, um, this will be on the family WhatsApp later. Um, now, Hitler, I've just chosen some random people. I could have uh, chosen anybody, really, to, of, of people with a with a bad reputation, yes, yeah, so a Hitler or Genghis Khan, I don't know, Rasputin, <laughs> there we go, I could sing a song for him, couldn't we? Uh, um, <laughs> so we've got our worst of society, now we need somebody who's good, okay, um, somebody who is kind of the better end of society, um, Yeah, okay, all right, Joseph, you can come this time. You know, everybody knows Joseph is is well-behaved. We're (laughs) going to call you Mother Teresa, okay? So, now this doesn't work very well, because uh, what we want is to get a kind of sense of scale of how good people are. So, Hitler, could you go further back, please? Normally I do this across, but we've got this lovely long room here, so we'll do that. That's great. Thank you. Now, we've got a bit of a scale here. So, so Hitler's kind of the worst. We've got Mother Teresa, who most people would agree is pretty good. Okay. Now we need somebody else. Who? Oh, yeah, go on. You can come on up. I don't even know your name. I'm sorry. But what's your name? David. Thank you, David. So you are now going to represent the best of society. So who do you think you might be? So we've got G Hitler, so Mother Teresa, and then Moses. Okay, no, no, you're me. Okay, so <laughs> you can be you can be James. So if you could just go that way slightly, that's great. Okay? Perfect. No, we can't we can't do it. G2 your, 2 swap. Yeah. So Mother Teresa, you go forwards, James, you you come back up here. Thank you, David. I I can't do that for long. So we've got this kind of scale. And So, Joseph here, as Mother Teresa, is kind of as good as it gets, right? But Hitler is kind of as bad as it gets, yeah? And then all of us, and there is a reason I chose me, because I want you to think of you in this spotlight, like, all of us would probably, in all humility, put ourselves somewhere between these two people, okay? So, I've, I've prompted for halfway between, which, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you decide what is right there. Um, but, that's where I've gone. We would all put ourselves somewhere there. But we are missing somebody important off of the scale, right? And so we need one more volunteer. I need, in fact, I was horrible to you the other day, so now I can be nice to you. Say, so, come on, Johnny, you can be my other volunteer. You've got the hair. You, you get to be the very best of society. So, so Johnny here now gets to be Jesus. So yeah, you go down. You stand, just stand by the pillar so everyone can still see you. And I'm sure you agree, in every sense, he is the best of society. Yeah? Johnny. No, Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> Like, Jesus did absolutely nothing wrong, ever. So on this scale, Jesus is down here. But I don't know about you, there is something wrong with the scale still. If we're saying that Hitler is kind of the worst of society, and and let's rank that by things that were done that were good... And I'm sure Hitler did some things that were nice at times. Maybe not at the bits he's famous for, but you would hope, maybe as a child. I'm I'm sure he did some nice things occasionally. But he also did an awful lot of wrong. So if we compare him to Jesus, who only did good things, who never did bad things, Hitler, you're, you're probably too close to Jesus still. So You need to get going back. But actually, that's that's great. Just stop there for a sec. (laughs) But actually, when you boil it down to just he did some things wrong, this, this might be a surprise to you, but that's true of me. And so on this scale, it's not like right now I'm saying I'm half as good as Jesus? If Hitler's a zero and Jesus is like the top, I'm half as good as Jesus? That's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. I'm nowhere near. He never did anything wrong. And so, could you could you take me a bit further down? And Mother Teresa, I'm I'm sorry. She would have done stuff wrong. And say, come, Mother Teresa. You, you wander down. <laughs> but there's still a problem here. Because now, I'm saying Mother Teresa is half as good as Jesus. That's nonsense. Jesus stands so far ahead of anybody else in all of creation. Now, if you're a Christian, you believe this stuff, right? Like, so I'm just trying to bring these truths to life to you here. So, Can you move, can you can you all bunch up a little bit more? You can keep going back if you want. Because what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get you to to fit the scale. So, like, here, Mother Teresa, so stop there for a sec. Mother Teresa is is she's what she's I don't know, what's that? A fifteenth of Jesus. You if we get a tape measure out, that is exact. Just so you know, I've, uh, my, uh, my measurements are perfect. Uh, she's a 15th of Jesus? No! It's utter nonsense. He is so far greater than anybody that has ever lived. He never did anything wrong. This is literally putting the, the truths of the Bible, that, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, into reality because actually there is only one standard that is good enough Jesus he is the glory of God he's the only one that lived up to it and so can you guys bunch right up go on, get right off the mats keep going if those doors are alarmed I'm sorry keep going yeah bunch up bunch up Punch up, keep, yeah, that's it, okay. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) You can stay in the building, it's okay. Like, suddenly, when we put them down at the how do they compare to Jesus scale that they should be in, you start to see that these three vastly different human beings don't look so different from one another. When you compare them to the person that they really should be compared to, rather than to one another, you realize that we have all fallen so far short. Now, that's a helpful illustration, right? Except I want you now to place yourself in my place there. And I want you to realize how far short of Jesus' standard you were. And yet, as Dave prayed out, he made a way for you. There was no way that you could get yourself up there. No way. Utterly impossible. And yet, he made a way. He made a way for, if you are a Christian today, for your place on the scale to not be down there anymore, to be there. And so when I start talking to you about who, who are we called to, I just feel like actually God is calling us to reset our expectation. If God can save you, You. If God can save me, even though I'm down there, even though that's where I deserve to be, if God can save me, He can save anybody. Anybody. So I'm going to give us a moment to respond. I'm, I'm not finished. But I just feel like God wants us to actually turn to him, turn away from the way that we were living, to actually repent for a moment. And to go, God, there are people that I do not believe can be saved or reached by your gospel. And I am sorry that I believe that. Would you change my heart for them right now? And say, guys, why don't you come back because you you can respond to this as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. We can give them a clap. Is that weird? Yeah, it's weird. It is weird, but but we'll do it anyway. You can keep your signs if you want. I mean, it's like... um, No, okay. Johnny's given given Jesus back straight away. You don't want these? All right, all right. Thanks. I can use them again. That's exciting. And say. Uh, yeah, I just want us all. Well, assuming that that actually you do feel that sense of, you know what, God. I know there's people that I don't think can be saved. I know there's individuals who I have, who I have, actively, in my mind, gone. They're too far gone. There's no way they will ever believe. This. there's no way they've hardened their hearts too much for to be able to hear what God says let me I, I'm just going to share one other testimony quick before we do that because it might help help put something in your mind so, so for instance a colleague of mine came up to me not that long ago and he, he shared with me a few things that he's done in his past He's not a Christian guy at all. He shared that he uh, was bisexual. He shared that he wanted to... Uh, say he, he is a transvestite. He wears women's clothing. He uh, wanted to be a woman. He nearly became one and, and, and had lived as one for quite a while. Now, uh, the question for you is what would you say in that situation? Replace all of that, if you want, with with anything else that you're thinking of of people that that don't want to know about Jesus? For me, my heart at that moment was the same before as it was after he shared it with me. The greatest need you have is to move from down there to here. My heart for him wasn't, you need to get yourself clean enough to be able to do it. You need to start living the way Jesus wants you to before you come to him. Who are you struggling with, with that kind of thing? What people groups, what nations, what individuals, what family members have you gone? God, it's not possible. And let's just bring ourselves under God's truth, that his gospel is greater, his love is greater than any of our sin and any of our friend's sin. So I'm just going to pray. Why don't you join me with it? Heavenly Father, I know, I know there's people that you, that you love, that I love, that I've given up hope for. And God, I, I just want to line myself back up to you this, this afternoon. God, you were able to save me even though I was as far from you as it's possible to be. And say, so God, I just, I believe that your light can shine into anybody's life. Well you guys as you're praying with me, just just repent of some individual things, like stuff that's true for you. People groups that are true for you. Heavenly Father, I I thank you that you sent your Son for the whole world. And that includes every person that we've just thought of, every people and group that we've thought of. And Lord, we do pray, would you give us a fresh faith and a fresh passion to share you with them that they might not perish but have eternal life with you. Lord, let these truths rest on our heart. Let them soften us again for those that you've called us to. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm hoping that most of what I've said so far isn't a shock to any of you or um, or even particularly new to you, actually. I'm hoping that it's a reminder of why we're called and of who we're called to. But um, I want to talk a little bit about how. How do we go then? How do we share the gospel with them? and? Again, I mean, this, this whole topic, Gospel for Them, is one... We could have done a whole series on just this one, right? Like This, this isn't... Likewise, the other two. But these... I, I could go into loads of different ways that we can share the gospel. And so I've just picked up on a handful that I feel God is calling us to, to think through today for our own lives. Um... And actually, one of those questions, one of those things that I want us to think through for our everyday lives is how much do we actually believe everything that we've just heard? How, like, I, I think I probably talk for most of us here when I say I believe it, but I don't think it's impacted my life as much as it should have done. I, I don't think my outworking of that belief shows a belief that is... As deep as i 'd like to think it is right and I, and I think that 's probably true of everybody in the room uh, if, if it 's not, I apologize. you can take over next week, but like the the reality is none of us outwork these beliefs fully, yeah if we did, and if we were able to, then that scale wouldn't be true for us we 'd just be up there we 'd be able to achieve something right and say. So, There are some measures that you can apply to go, how actively am I outworking this? You could ask yourself, when was the last time I spoke with an unbeliever about Jesus? When was the last time I told somebody I was a Christian? When was the last time I actively shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time I prayed for somebody while they were with me? Like, the, 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 these, these questions, for some of you, might be, yeah, sorry, it was a day ago, a week ago. Yeah. But some of you, it's the very thought of this terrifies me. But, and that's fine. Okay? I, I'm not here, I, I don't think I'm trying to say you should somehow now get yourself to a point where every single day you fully share the gospel with every one of the non-believing friends that you've got. But that's not, that's not achievable, right? And so there isn't a scale here of you're doing a good enough job. The reason why you would ask yourself these questions is to go, am I doing a job that I'm that I feel like I am outworking what God has called me to do here, or not? Because the reality is, for us, we have to work at doing this. We have to actively make ourselves go we have to actively make ourselves share things with people we have to actively stop ourselves from listening to those doubts that say don't tell them don't tell them this, this will ruin your relationship with the person don't share what you want to share. Like, we have to actively stop ourselves from doing that again I think I'm talking for most of us here some of you might not have any of these inhibitions but I know I do I know every time I share the gospel with someone, I actively have to think, I need to do this. Like, and, and I ignore everything telling me not to. It will always be easier not to do it. It will always be easier not to... I, I mean, and let's just be clear, when I say sharing the gospel, I do primarily mean telling people about Jesus, but I also mean everything else around being a Christian, blessing people, looking to, to help people, looking to care for people, looking to, to meet people's needs, all of that shines Jesus. All of it does. But there is an important aspect to you sharing the truth. If, if, if you don't share the truth, uh, how are people going to know it? <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's badly paraphrased Paul. But like, the, the, the reality is we do need to share it with people actively and we do need to bless people we do need to meet their needs but what is their biggest need what, if, if someone isn't a Christian what is the thing that is most important to, to meet the need that is most important to try and help them with it has to be their eternity. John Piper says, our biggest problem is how, not hunger. Christians care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. List your favorite social issue there under Christians care about all suffering. I hope you care about these issues with all your might. But Christians care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. Christians care, and will show they are, that they care, about all human suffering, especially eternal suffering. If your life is marked by compassion for all suffering, except eternal suffering, you're a defective lover." That is big. <laughs> that's big. That's quite a attack, actually, isn't it? You think, do you care about meeting people's practical needs above their eternal need? And I think he makes it quite clear here, and I would agree, their practical need is important. Right? That's not to belittle that we should be meeting their practical needs. But their eternal destination, <laughs> that is the thing that matters above all else. Do you stop yourself from sharing because of concern for what they might think of you? Or do you make yourself share because you know the great need that they have? This is hard stuff, (laughs) like this this isn't, I'm not trying to make out this is easy. And I'm not trying to make out that I've got this sorted. This is something we should all be questioning. We should all be asking ourselves. Not out of this sense of duty. I, I, I hope you've got this. This is God's heart for people. God loves people. He's, he's wanted to bless people forever. Okay, so I don't want you hearing these words and going, Oh, I'm awful. I, can't. I, I didn't share the gospel with anybody for like, ever. Like, I, I can't do this. That's not what this is about. This is about us going, God, you have spoken. What's happened has happened. Let me walk now in what you're calling me to. Okay, that's what this is about. So this is about us going, I, I, where I have got this wrong in the past, where I have fallen short in the past, help me to not fall short again. Help me in your love, in your spirit, in your grace to change to do this, to to outwork what you call us to. And say, when you then then are convinced that you do need to do something, you've got to actually go to people, be around people. And, And I think, like that city on a hill that Jesus describes, it's no good feeling a conviction to share Jesus' love with people and not go to them. (laughs) To just stay in our, what, holy huddle of Sunday congregation and, and I hang out with my Christian friends and that's all I do. That's not, you're not going to outwork it like that. So again, I want you to start questioning, particularly as we go into this gospel fluency course. God, where should I step? Which people should I go to? Which friendships should I invest in? And, and excuse me. And as you, as you do that, as you pray, as you seek God on this, I I do trust He'll lead you to where you should be. Say, so for me, we. Madeline and I were talking a couple of weeks ago. We'd been invited to this christening. Um, and we're like we barely know the people that it's for you know it's like the whole family need to kind of get there it's a big ask right um, and then we just talked through who like actually th- this couple are people that Madeline is building relationship with my wife is building relationship with they don't know Jesus so ironically we went to a baptism to <laughs> share with the family <laughs> about Jesus but actually, as we, we, we did that because that's what God wants us to do. That's, that's who we felt God was calling us to talk to and spend time with. And do you know what? Actually, the last non-Christian that I shared the gospel with was the dad on Sunday. So, like, these, these things... I didn't work that conversation. I didn't try and slot it in there. He brought it up. He asked me questions. He kept wandering off to do what party hosts have to do. And kept coming back and going, so carry on then. Like, when we, when we are walking where God's calling us to walk, he provides the opportunities, right? And then we should be seeking to bless people. So once, we, once we're thinking through who the actual individuals are that we're called to go to, any opportunity to bless, any chance you have to help is is great. These are all ways that you can start to share, and they're all inroads for ultimately blessing them so that they start to see the light of Jesus Christ. Yes, conversation should follow if we can. But more than all of that, actually, I, I should say, I don't know whether I've doing this in the light order. I apologise if it doesn't make sense in the PowerPoint. But more important than all of that, actually, we should be praying for these people. Right? It's, it's only, there's nothing we can do to pull someone from that end of the room to that end. It's only by the power of God. It's only him. It's only the light shining out of us that is he's going to do anything for them, right? And so pray. Have a list. Have some people you're praying for. If you're a parent, <laughs> your kids, if they're unbelievers, should be on that list. <laughs> be praying. And be intentional with those people then. Spend time with them, seek them out, seek chances to bless them. And lastly, this, is, this has all been a big advert for the Gospel Fluency course, it hasn't, but lastly, know the Gospel. <laughs> know this stuff, remind yourself of it. Because when they ask the questions, you need to be prepared to give an answer. Peter Kitt tells us we should be prepared. To give an account for our faith, that why do we believe it? What has God done in your life? And it can't just be practical things here. It could. It shouldn't just be practical things here. He has taken you from that end from as far away from him as you could possibly be. Isaiah talks about his face being hidden from you. He's taken you from that point to being a son. The Most High God, or daughter, this is. These are the truths that we should be ready with on our lips. And and I, when I say we should know it, and we should be ready with it, I'm serious. I I like, I, I spent a long time preaching to nobody in a room. I, I I've done it a lot. <laughs> I, I've shared the gospel just so that it's in my head again and again and again. I used to joke that I would preach the gospel to my sofa more than any other individual, and it's still not saved, so I'm going to keep doing it. But the the reality is practicing, keeping these words at the forefront of our mouths massively helps when people start to ask questions. It's the words that are ready to roll off, and I do, part of why we felt called to do gospel fluency course is exactly for that. We want the gospel to be on the tip of your lips. I'm going to pray. We should probably do a short song, um, but we've done communion already. Look, kids, work are asking how long we're going to be. That's good. Um, that's always a good sign. I'm going to pray now, rather than waffle on anymore. But Lord, I thank you so much for your saving grace upon us, individually. Lord, you have rescued us. And we are so thankful for it. God, you have called us into your family. That we're not alone in this. That we are outworking your mission together. That we are outworking your call to bring your name glory together. And I thank you that actually, God, you have already decreed that there will be a multitude in heaven praising your name, worshipping you. And Lord, I thank you that those of us that know you will be in that multitude. And so, God, I pray that everything that I've said today, I pray above all that we would feel that sense of call to share you with those around us, that they might be in that multitude. Lord, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be lifted high. And so we do want that multitude to be as many as it can be. But equally, God, we recognize that you don't just love the whole world, You love the individual. And so each person in that multitude is a precious child of yours. And Lord, we want to see more brothers and sisters there. Not just because you love them, but because you've softened our hearts to them and that we love them too.